to Beyond Well with Sheila Hamilton. This is a program for people who want to learn more about our interior lives. And every week I'm joined by Dr. Jim Polo. Hello, Jim. It's good to see you again. Good to see you too, Sheila. I want to talk this week about a diagnosis that is getting a lot of attention in the media right now because of Kanye West. Kanye West has been diagnosed with bipolar disorder. It's led a lot of people to ask, what is bipolar disorder? And I thought that's where we should begin with you, Dr. Polo. What is bipolar disorder? Okay, well, uh, so first of all, that's a great question. Uh, bipolar is a very complex disorder. Um, most folks might know that it is sometimes commonly referred to as manic depression, but here are the basics of bipolar disorder. Bipolar disorder is a mood instability disorder where people fluctuate um, and their moods go through periods of highs and periods of lows. So the high periods we, we generally refer to as manic periods and the low periods we, we refer to as depressed periods. Um, what I would say is that there are many, many, many different variations. Uh, so with bipolar disorder, it's a spectrum type illness. We have bipolar type one, type two, cyclothymia, rapid cycling. So there's lots of variations, but basically it's a mood instability disorder. And uh, the thing about the mood instability disorder is sometimes when that mood changes, either up or down, it's not because of anything specific that happened. It's part of the disorder and it's a genetic based disorder largely. I think a lot of people who are listening would say, well, in the course of a day, I can get kind of high and then I can feel kind of low when something bad happens. How does one determine uh, the difference between regular mood regulation and when it becomes a problem? Yeah, that's a great question. I've often had patients actually, you know, ask that question to me. And in fact, uh, patients very often will resist the idea that they even have a problem with their mood, particularly if it's a manic type mood. So one of the things that I will often say to folks is, um, hey, listen, have you had these periods when you, let, let's say we're talking about mania, have you had these periods when you feel kind of up, you feel excited, you feel motivated, but you don't really have a good reason for that? You just, you just suddenly feel that way? Or do you have these periods where you're feeling sad, blue, but you don't really know why? You can't like point to something. And the reason why that's so important is because what you said, Sheila, is so correct. We all go through periods of kind of feeling up and down. Mm -hmm. The overwhelming grand majority of folks, that's normal. And you can relate it to what happens. So for example, if somebody tells me, hey, I won the lottery today and I've been on high for the last week, <laughs> that's a normal response. <laughs> right, exactly. Yeah. And then when they all come for your money, then you might go for the depressive period of it, right? <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. So um, in general, though, there are some criteria that we do look for. Uh, you have to meet certain criteria, specific uh, symptoms that should be present in combination, periods of time that must be met. And that's kind of the, the detail of how people will diagnose it. But for the general individual to think about it, it's mood swings that are not necessarily caused by anything specific. And the, the period of feeling up and down is generally out of proportion to what their usual mood might be when they're not experiencing an acute you know, episode of, of, of bipolar. And wouldn't it be true, Dr. Polo, that most people don't even seek out the kind of care that you would provide for something like this until those mood swings had become a problem, either with their work or their family or their spending habits or their sexuality? I mean, 
generally people resist going to see a psychiatrist until things have gotten pretty bad. Yes, that's correct. Um, first of all, a couple of things to help frame this. Bipolar disorder is a disorder for life. This is not a, a disorder that you can diagnose it and then cure it. And for the folks that do have bipolar, 80%, roughly, give or take a, a few points, will have pretty severe symptoms over the course of their lifetime. Uh, this does impair their, their life. Now, that doesn't mean that they can't have periods of tremendous success and productivity and so forth, but the grand majority of them do have challenges, and those challenges come in a couple of areas that can really impact their life. So folks with bipolar disorder, generally their relationships can be challenged. It's hard sometimes living with somebody with bipolar, okay? Uh, and there are some symptoms that make relationships difficult. Uh, folks with bipolar can sometimes also have challenges with the regularity or the structure of occupations. So mm -hmm. they kind of sometimes don't do well in, in a work environment. And then in addition to that, sometimes bipolars also have significant financial challenges. And it's not because of the cost of treating the disorder. It's that sometimes they don't make good decisions. And, and sometimes they can be a little bit impulsive. And so finances can sometimes also be an area where folks run into trouble. I want to talk about Kanye specifically because uh, I was watching um, a kind of argument unfold on Twitter around his genius and whether or not that was actually connected to his illness. And so I went and did, started doing some research and um, Kay Redfield Jameson, who lives with bipolar disorder and is a wonderful teacher and author on bipolar disorder, believes yep. there is a link between creativity, genius, and bipolar disorder. Other people simply do not. Where do you stand on that, Dr. Polo? Uh, that's a, such a great question. So, so first of all, um, I, I tend to stand a little bit on the side of, of, of thinking that folks with bipolar disorder um, have a greater likelihood or propensity for being highly creative. And in the sense that they are highly creative, sometimes they really can, can be overwhelmingly successful. When you, when you kind of look at the science behind this, um, there's a theory that when folks with bipolar are in a depressive period, they tend to be more inside themselves. They tend to be more reflective. Mm -hmm. This is a time where they may be incubating thoughts uh, versus when they're in the early stages of mania, they tend to be happy, productive, energetic, creative. Uh, they're able to almost think outside of the box in a way that drives them. And, and one of the things about mania with bipolar is and very often one of the symptoms we look for is folks feel like their mind is moving quicker yeah. Than they can handle. Yeah. Uh, and so there's a little bit of a challenge in the sense that if you get a little bit too out of control with that, then of course that becomes very challenging in a different way and it becomes very disruptive. People can actually become psychotic. So there is an element, and, and you'll see this in the arts, uh, famous painters, famous composers, famous actors, famous singers that are highly, highly creative, mm. uh, very very successful, but then they sometimes go through periods where they're, they're just not doing so well. And Kanye West has been fairly open with the public that he does have this diagnosis. Um, and clearly he has been highly successful in so many ways. And then uh, sometimes he'll do some things that to the average individual doesn't really make sense. You know, a Twitter comment that seems a little bit off or yeah. whatever. Yeah. Um, and it's, and it's almost, you know, um, I think the thing that I'm always watching for is that 
people tend to enjoy their own highs. They love that period when they're super creative and running for president. And, you know, and then when the low hits and they realize what they've done, I think that that, as my experience in dealing with someone who had bipolar disorder, is that it's the lows where the danger sets in because then they take accounting of everything that they've created during the manic period. Yes. Yes. And, and, uh, you, you know, it's interesting when uh, you probably had this experience and you may not even know it where you've, you've known somebody that is kind of that individual that's always fun to be around. They're energetic, they're passionate. Uh, uh, they always have a great joke to tell. They, 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 they have a life of the party. In fact, I will sometimes ask folks as part of the diagnosis, uh, uh, um, assessment is, you know, do you ever made a party feel like you're the life of the party? You're the center of attention. You actually like it. And people actually, you know, think you're, that can be part of that hypomania because actually when people are feeling up, it's a good feeling. Yeah. But euphoria is a common symptom that people have with bipolar. And in fact, the, the reason why this becomes challenging is because Folks that are highly creative that have bipolar will tell you they don't want to lose that creativity. They don't want to lose that feeling. In fact, sometimes when you treat folks with bipolar, they will be very disappointed because they say, I don't feel anything now. Yeah. You, you've taken away my excitement. You've taken away my, my energy. You've, you, you've taken away my, my creativity. And, and so they tend to, it's tough to keep them compliant sometimes. Yeah. And so it's kind of you're balancing between helping them remain stable at the same time that you don't make them feel, you know, empty. Right. There's been such a uh, recent increase in the number of diagnoses, and I'm wondering why. Yeah, uh, this is a good, uh, good question. Um, you know, worldwide, the uh, global prevalence is somewhere at about 1%, 1 to 2%. Um, in the U.S., it's actually higher. It's about 2.6, 2.8%. And in fact, lifetime prevalence is closer to 4%. Now there's some question on whether or not we do a better job of diagnosis or whether or not there's more access or whether or not people are more open. Because remember, there are a lot of folks with bipolar disorder that are not open and never disclose. Mm. Uh, we can talk about some pretty famous individuals where, you know, we can look at them and tell you almost assuredly they probably had it, but because nobody has ever validated that, you really can't say it factually. Um, I actually do not think that the prevalence of bipolar is necessarily increasing. I think our awareness of the fact that it is out there is increasing. I also think that one of the things about bipolar to understand is that it's a spectrum illness. I could line up a hundred people. They would all appear very different to the untrained eye even though to a psychiatrist, they would all be categorized as bipolar. So I think there are many people that have mild forms of mood instability where they're very functional, they do very well, and we don't really think of it in terms of, oh, that's somebody with bipolar. Right. I think I read something uh, where they did a, a kind of psychological profile of over 200 CEOs, and they determined that 60 of them would have had uh, been clinically diagnosed with bipolar disorder. But because they were in demanding jobs where people supported them in what they were doing, they were able to work within the constraints of their illness, which I just found fascinating. Yeah. So I want to go on to why the connection between bipolar disorder and suicide is. As, as one of the diagnoses, it has one of the highest pre prevalence of suicide rates um, of all of the different disorders. Why? Yes, that's correct. Um, there's a couple of factors here. Uh, first of all, let me highlight that um, 
for folks that do have bipolar disorder, um, they're far more likely to commit suicide when they're in that depressed period. In fact, it's pretty rare that somebody will commit suicide while they're manic. Sometimes they will engage in risky behavior while they're manic and they will accidentally, you know, uh, do something that uh, wasn't so, uh, so good for them. Um, but in general, the, the folks that have bipolar disorder, they're very, very strong on the depressive side are the ones that are more likely to actually commit suicide. Second, uh, bipolar is a lifelong disorder. And so it's never going to go away. And so that risk, particularly with depression, is constant. Uh, so that the lifetime, you know, prevalence uh, for suicide for folks that are that are bipolar is is you know, it's up to twenty percent um, over the course of a lifetime uh, potentially uh, succeeding committing suicide. The the actual uh, uh, prevalence for attempting is is much higher. Fifty wow. to sixty percent of folks with bipolar will at some point during their life attempt suicide. And it's almost always during a depressive period. People that are more rapid cycling, more likely. Uh, women slightly uh, less likely to commit suicide than men, uh, ironically enough. Um, but there's no question that it is a disorder that creates a tremendous amount of emotional challenge with mood. Um, and consequently, pe people can reach those points of despair where they don't feel that life is worth living. Uh, the other factor that comes into play here is that folks that do have bipolar disorder sometimes uh, do what we call self-medicate. Um, uh, so they are at risk uh, for the challenges with substance abuse. So sometimes we will have folks that clearly had uh, bipolar disorder where they die by overdose. And the question is, well, was it intentional? Was it not intentional? Mm. You know, Amy Winehouse is a great example of that. Uh, she died by overdose. Jimi Hendrix died by overdose. Both had bipolar disorder. Um, so, so that's another reason why it becomes very challenging uh, to sometimes differentiate. But clearly, bipolar folks have a much greater risk, 10 to, tw 10 to 30 times over the average population to commit suicide. Which is why it's so important that if you're a family member of a person who's exhibiting this, these symptoms to get them help because, because of this statistic, because yes. it's not like, you know, they can be yes. coping and coping, and then they're simply not. So, folks, folks that require repeated admissions are higher risk for suicide, and they are greatest risk right after getting discharged. And the thought behind that is that right after getting discharged, they are stable in terms of clear thinking, and they're now actually able to follow through based on what they've been feeling, which is usually coming from that depression of struggling yeah. with whatever's going on. And usually it's that depression of having this disorder to begin with. Yeah. Wow. And I mean, you, you speak in this in terms of statistics, but I lived it the day after my husband was uh, released from care, the day after. And nobody had told me that statistic prior, which I think is one of the reasons I'm doing this show, to put this kind of inside knowledge out into the world so the uh, family members for sure know it. Yes. So Dr. Polo, I, I'm really curious about this. It seems to me that there's enough um, awareness about anxiety and depression that if one were to go to their supervisor or their, um, you know, person who hired them and said, I'm struggling with this, but I want you to know I'm a dedicated employee. I just want you to know I have this in case I need a mental health day, that they might not be stigmatized. But with bipolar disorder, I still think it's in that realm of highly stigmatized disorders. 
and where I'm not sure that I would even be public about the fact that I had bipolar disorder. Yeah, I, I think you're absolutely right. So first of all, stigma is huge. And, and stigma comes in three forms. There's self-stigma. There's stigma by others. They treat me differently. They think I'm crazy. And then, unfortunately, we have systemic stigma that exists in our structures, our healthcare structures, all, all kinds of systemic things where we kind of look down on people that have something wrong with their quote, quote, mind. Now, when it comes to bipolar disorder, um, it can be easy, easy for somebody that's not bipolar to think, oh, well, why can't they snap out of it? They're clearly depressed and, and there's no good reason for it. What's wrong with them? They should just feel better. Or, gosh, don't they realize they're like, you know, they've been up for three days and this is silly and they should just go to bed. So for somebody that doesn't understand what that disorder is like, it can be a little bit difficult to think about the fact that this is not something the individual just really can't control. And when it comes to things like employment and so forth, it can be hard, uh, particularly if somebody goes through a, a longer period. Um, the other challenge is sometimes they go through subtle symptoms where they're still kind of functional, but they're a little off. And, you know, unfortunately, sometimes uh, we don't give folks enough respect to recognize that that doesn't make them defective. And, and clearly, folks with bipolar disorder can be highly productive, highly successful, very good at what they do. And then there are periods when, when unfortunately, they, they just can't. And, yeah, and what's unfortunate is many people take advantage of the periods where they're, you know, operating out of a kind of mania and have that kind of ridiculous energy that's just nonstop. And then when the person goes into depression, they're like, what's happened to that person? Where are they not understanding? Absolutely. And in fact, there have been, there, you know, there have been anecdotal stories of performers that are usually at their absolute best when they're right at that hypomanic period, but not yeah. where they can really do great. And, and unfortunately, sometimes I, th I think they get taken advantage of. You know, Frank Sinatra was, was an individual with bipolar disorder could go days uh, performing um, and, and very good at it and then need a break. Uh, another individual that is uh, never confirmed as being bipolar but highly suspicious, Robin Williams, yeah. was sometimes at his absolute best when he was hypomanic. People could not keep up with him. Of course. His ability to bring comic relief in and make jokes on the spot was amazing in such a way that we all enjoyed it. And maybe folks don't realize how hard that was for him when it went over the edge because yeah. he had significant periods of, of depression. So can you talk to me briefly about whether there have been um, any kind of breakthroughs in the pharmaceutical treatment of bipolar disorder? Because like you just said, almost um, everyone I know who has had bipolar disorder and has gone in for treatment has just been so disappointed with how it mutes the highs and uh, it does prevent the lows, but it mutes that that feeling of being, you know, omnipotent that they love. So, so first of all, from a pharmaceutical perspective, the medication that is classic and in fact it is only used for bipolar disorder is lithium. And in fact, uh, this this is why we sometimes uh, hear that phrase: "I have a chemical imbalance," and the chemical that people are kind of referring to that they don't even know they're referring to is is lithium. Mm. And for some folks, lithium is fabulous in the sense that it stabilizes their moods. It brings those highs down and it brings those lows up. 
Uh, lithium does have some challenges with side effects that are problematic uh, for some folks. And then, as I mentioned earlier, sometimes people don't like coming off that high, and so they don't like taking lithium. Lithium is technically a mood stabilizer. So mood stabilizers are slightly different from antidepressants. Now, there are some anticonvulsants, medicines that traditionally treat seizures that work very well also as mood stabilizers, Tegretol, Depakote, Lamotrigine. And these medicines also sometimes have side effects, and sometimes these side effects are not as bad as lithium. Sometimes they can be a little bit worse. But the challenge is that it does the very same thing that sometimes patients don't like. It brings those highs down, mm. and it brings those lows up. Now, one of the challenges when you're treating somebody for, for bipolar disorder is they can sometimes go through some periods of very severe depression. And there are some antidepressants that can help them, but there are also some antidepressants that seem to cause them to essentially jump into a manic state. And so we have to be very careful how we approach treating somebody when it comes to those depressive periods. And in fact, sometimes individuals who have not been diagnosed with bipolar disorder They've been suspected of having a significant major depression. This will sometimes happen in a young individual, you know, teens or, or early 20s, treated for what is believed to be clear-cut major depression. And sure enough, they get put on a, a medication and two weeks later, they are manic or psychotic. And you know that what happened is that you actually- Or suicidal even. Yeah. Or even yeah. suicidal. And, and, and suddenly you realize uh, the real diagnosis is, is bipolar disorder because a major depressive period while you're depressed, doesn't look any different in a bipolar patient than a, a patient that's diagnosed with major depression. I love that, Dr. Poland. I think maybe a good place to end is just to encourage people to, if they're going in for an evaluation, um, to make sure that if it's a general physician, that they're given that kind of psychological background so that people know whether you've had highs or lows or just lows, correct? Yes, yes. And I, I will say one thing about bipolar disorder, that one of the best things to think about in terms of making a good diagnosis, the more time you have, the better likely are you going to make a, a, a diagnosis. It's really about highs and lows over a period of time, usually without good reason. So when somebody comes and tell me they, they've had mood swings for the last two months, I'm not as worried as somebody that says, you know, I've had mood swings for the last three years. Yeah. I just don't get it. That, that, so time is a factor and then that variation of mood. But I would encourage anybody that feels like they're struggling with you know, emotional highs and lows, particularly if other people are telling them, hey, you're yeah. um, to get help because it is a disorder that can be treated. And with treatment, they actually do a lot better over time. Dr. Polo, thank you very, very much for spending thank your time you. with us. And if you listen and you love the podcast, please give us a thumbs up where you listen to podcasts. Once again, this is Beyond Well with Sheila Hamilton. Thanks for listening.